0: Welcome to the Rise Above Podcast. I'm your host, Will Lambley, and today we have the privilege of being joined by uh, Director of FCA in the Tulsa area, Brendan
1: Seagraves. First off, thank you for being on with us today, Brendan. Absolutely, man. Thank you. I'm honored. Yes, he sir. called me, I was like, I don't know what I could really offer to you, but I'm honored. Thank you. Yes, sir. No, I had,
0: I had to get Brendan on because everyone in the, the Tulsa area knows him as, a, when they see him, if, if they've been in high school for any amount, played a sport, they know him as the Director of the FCA. And h-
1: how long have you been doing that? So I just celebrated 10 years with FCA um, and it doesn't feel like it's 10 years when you work your dream job you never work a day in your life that's what I've been told
0: yeah, that's crazy how uh, when, you're, when you're having fun, like it just seems like time's flying. You're like, well, wait, I just started doing this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and what, what does your role consist of being the director of FCA?
1: Oh. Well, <clears throat> I, we, we wear a ton of different hats. Um, we like to say we're in, in the four spaces. We, we like to see we're on campus. We like to say we do camps in coaches ministry and in the community. And so there's not really much left after that, but we want to be everywhere where coaches and athletes are. And so that's anywhere from club competitive sports as a young kid to junior high to college to to professional and everything in between so oh and i'm I'm sure helping out with athletes and as you said
0: it's a job that it doesn't seem like it's been 10 years because of how much fun it's been i'm sure that uh that you you were once athlete and that uh what kind of one of the main reasons that you do what you
1: do is because of just your passion for athletes oh absolutely i would say that i get to watch athletics mold and shape people in ways that i don't think other things have the ability to do Um, i think you can learn lessons outside of sports Um, i think that sports (laughs) pushes you to learn lessons faster Uh, it pushes you to take the focus off of yourself and so when you see that at a young age and then you see it play out in other people's lives only change your life but then you also see it change other people's lives and so it's been super fun to watch uh, the blend of jesus and sports Mm -hmm. and competition and competing for his name and for his glory and, and Doing it different than the world
0: does it—that's awesome. And a quote I always tell people that I love is Dabo Sweeney once said that he believes sports are made on the eighth day because it, it's such a great avenue for people to grow closer to Christ because of just the adversity and the com- camaraderie, camaraderie, and how it truly brings people together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that the word that we use—I actually have it on my sh- sweatshirt today—and um, it's a—it's a word that we center our ministry around is influence. And everybody knows that when you put on a jersey jersey. or you put on a when you put on a sports outfit or uniform that you automatically gain influence that you didn't have before and so how can you use that what's the avenue that you can use that in the best way possible Um, how are you gonna how are you gonna make a difference and use the influence for something past or greater than you exactly and something I love to say is
0: Everyone has influence, whether it's 50,000 people or or five people, but whoever you're leading, embrace whoever it is because you never know how God can use even the smallest group of people you're leading to to impact so many. Um, There's a verse that says, uh, faith of the size of a mustard seed uh, can... um, can overcome a mountain and I just love that because like you never know whenever uh your heart is just following Christ every day
1: and you don't know and and the cool thing is that when you when you throw a bunch of people from every different background and every different socioeconomic level and you put them all on a team and you say hey let's go accomplish something and it does take getting rid of yourself and then Finding out your weak spots and then assessing your talent and but then also asking the question What is the goal and how can we get everybody to align with that goal? And I love the challenge of that. I love I love the the struggle in it I love the vulnerability that you have to have in it, but I also love that the greatest words you'll probably ever hear are thanks coach and That is because of a coach's influence and his impact from something that changed his life or her life now they're now they're investing in younger people's lives and trying to make the same difference through sports that it had on their life exactly
0: and I, I can remember times in my life when, when I started losing my sight still playing football and being on the team almost made me forget about what was going on and I feel like so many athletes can relate that when they're able to be around their brothers and their coaches who are able to love them it teaches you so much and almost makes you forget about uh, the bad situations that are happening and shows you that, okay, maybe bad things that are happening to me and maybe bad things will come in my future but when I follow the lessons that I learn in this sport or whatever I'm doing then there's no obstacle that I can't
1: overcome. Absolutely, absolutely and, it, and I think that the the trials that you walk through are never something that you would sit down and draw up a paper and yeah. somebody says hey write out what your story would look like. You would never have drawn it up that, that you would lose sight yeah. you would never have drawn it up that, that somebody would have an injury that would either end their career or in their season on their senior year but what we've seen is that when god's in charge of it all he can use it all and so when you have that injury like like kel marley for instance yeah. right how, great, how great example, tough would it be yeah. as a junior to know you're returning to know that you have you're going to be the starter and then to sustain an injury right at the beginning of the season and then how are you the real question is how are you going to respond exactly how do you respond how do you if you really are a part of this team then you're a part of this team whether you're making a physical difference on the field or whether you're sidelined and now you still have a job i love how you mentioned kale there because we did a little bible study this summer
0: and all i did was i just told kale to invite as many guys on the team as you can. Every week, his goal was to get as many people on the team at the Bible study because it's something he would say every week is, no matter what we do on the field, my main goal is for us to grow spiritually. And when he tore his ACL and adversity that he couldn't imagine happening during the season, the one thing that still remained through that time was his faith. I remember Coach Marley posted a picture of Cale um, leading praise and worship at their church the, the week after. And I was like, man, that's, that's what it's all about. No matter if life's going good or life's going bad, just keeping the main thing the
1: main thing and knowing that that's the only thing that will really sustain us in life yeah i think one of the things that we say and i think it applies to athletes just like it does coaches but the the co- the phrase is more for a coach um is that sometimes a, co- a coach is the only person that can make the difference right but the question is are you a, a christian that happens to be a coach mm. or are you a coach that happens to be a christian because what's going to happen is, are you an athlete? Are you a Christian that happens to be an athlete? Or are you an athlete that happens to be a Christian? And I think your mentality changes, or it really shows what you believe about your athleticism and who the focus is when you get hurt. And so, was Kale a Christian who happened to be an athlete and sustained an injury, and so he's still a Christian even though he can't be an athlete right now? As opposed to when you wrap your identity up in sports, and you make your god the sport, and you make your identity in the sport, that when you are a an athlete who happens to be a christian that when you sustain injury that your athleticism and your athlete stance or status is gone and so you you are left with nothing so you really have to figure out where your where your focus is where your center is and i think sometimes trials injuries setbacks losses all those things show you who you are and you would never draw it that way because we don't we don't want to lose, right? <laughs> yeah. But losing shows you the most about you, unfortunately. Exactly,
0: and a verse that goes along great with what you just said about how trials and tribulations really show us who we are is James one, two through four, which says, "Consider it pure joy when you face trials of any kinds, because the test of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its race, so that you may be complete, and lacking nothing." I remember the first time I heard that voice, that verse, I was like, "Consider it pure joy when you face trials." I was like, "What?" But then when I really like stepped back, I was like, okay, when you put your joy in the joy of the Lord or your, your, your hope, then it doesn't matter what comes your way because you know that like Christ is enough yeah. and just like li- living with uh, him inside of you just brings out something in you that you, you really didn't know you have. Like a lot of like people say like coaches bring out in players, like when they didn't know they have, I think the same way to walk with Christ and anything we do, like it brings out just the best and everything god's called us to be and kind of go along with that would you mind to share your story of
1: uh how you came to christ and uh how you ended up in the role you're at now yeah man that's a that's kind of a long story wrapped up in a bunch of stuff but we'll we'll walk through it quickly or slowly right um so i grew up in the church um my my dad helped clean the church and so we were there all the time with people there without people there um when I was 15, I, I went to a church camp, a summer camp, and uh, on the last day, I gave my life to the Lord in the best way that I knew how. Um, but but I didn't really know what that meant. Um, I knew what I wanted it to mean, and I knew what they talked about it meant, but I didn't know how to live that out. I didn't have people around me that were challenging me and helping me grow, um, so I just kept doing my own thing. Um, and that year, that same year, I gave my life to the Lord was the same year that I drank for the first time, I smoked for the first time, I had sex for the first time, and I did drugs for the first time. So, as a 43-year-old person looking back on that age of my life, that was the worst year of my life. Um, but that year, I thought it was the best year of my life. Um, because you don't know what you don't know when you're 15, right? And so, the bad thing is that led to a nine-year path of destruction and from drug use to drug abuse to drug addiction. And um, during that time, when I was 19, I'd, I would meet the girl who'd become my wife. Uh, we would have a we would have a child out of wedlock, and so I had a child when I was 20. Uh, we decided to get married when we were 21, and then at 23, uh, we had another little girl. And so, um, at 24 in 2004, I just realized this is hell. I don't understand it. Um, but i was in the middle of addiction i was in the middle of selfishness i didn't know how to <clears throat> love my wife i didn't know how to love my my kids uh, because i was too focused on loving me and we sat down with my wife and we sat down together and we had a conversation and said hey i, I don't believe in divorce nor do i really want a divorce but this is hell and so i don't we got to do something um, so we did the only thing that we knew how to do and we said well let's let's go back to church well Right in the middle of all of that, there was a guy that would come up to me every single day. I worked at a, at a place called Ray Manufacturing in Pryor, Oklahoma. And we would have to get there about 6 o'clock, start work at 6.30. And there would be a guy, and he'd come up to me every day, and he would ask me, Hey, how you doing, man? How's your life? And I always thought it was weird because I didn't understand why he cared like or why he would want to know something but nevertheless <clears throat> next day he would come up hey how's, how's your family like, oh, but they're great man they're good thank you for asking came up and then he would he would ask me to church and i would say hey man i'm not really interested. thank you but i'm not really interested and he just never gave up uh finally i think he got smart and he changed this tactic up and he came back and he said hey man we're gonna get together and play some softball and volleyball do you want to play and i was like heck
0: yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah and, and i said well, where, where are we doing that and he was like well it's at the church And I I was like, well, that's kind of a jerk move, but, <laughs> but we're, we'll go. And, and, I, and, and I told him, if you would have ask me like this, we could have been hanging out a long time ago. So I started hanging around with them, started playing volleyball, and, and just started being around people who loved me for me and started challenging me to grow and to be different. And so, so I have this g- a group of guys investing in me, and then I have hell in my life with my marriage and my family. Uh, and, but this we have this decision right in front of us that we're going to go back to church. And so we got our four-year-old and two-year-old ready and we we got up on Sunday morning and we drove nine miles from Prior to Shoto and uh, that's where the guy who had been asking me to come to church was and so that's where we went. So we went in, sat on the back row uh, and I remember it. I tell it so often it makes me remember it um, so vividly but we sat on the back row Um, my wife's grandpa actually was a a member of that church and had been forever and uh, there was a hymnal in the in the pew in front of us with his name on it that he had dedicated to the church and so we're sitting in there as as broken people and the pastor's up giving the message and he comes to the end of it and he says "Um, there's somebody in here this morning who uh, you've been running and you're so tired and he said but you're trying to fill your life with all these things that you think are going to give you value, purpose, and meaning and every night you end up hopeless, helpless, and wanting and I remember being mad honestly Uh, because I he was talking to me, but I thought that, that my friend that had invited me to church had kind of told the pastor, "Hey, the guy's here, and here's what he needs to hear." And, and today I realized that that's the Holy Spirit working in my life, right? I realized that He was calling me, He was preparing it all, He'd set it all up, and He had put that room perfectly in position for me to sit there and hear the gospel. And uh, He said, "But if you'll give your life to Jesus today, He wants to do us something greater in you than you can possibly ask, think, or imagine." and uh i looked at my wife and i said hey he's talking to me and she looked back at me and we had tears rolling down our eyes and and she looked back at me and she said he's talking to me too and uh, on that day in august 2004 god changed my life god changed our family he changed our dynamics he um and he, he it was night and day it really was it was the uh the salvation experience that you that you Think of when you think of radical radical change, um, and I'm just so grateful for that that moment in time. So I went home and cleaned out bags of paraphernalia and got rid of the drugs. And man, for four years we didn't watch a rated R movie, we didn't listen to a, a, a song with a cuss word in it. And it was just we needed that to completely separate our lives from what we had known. And so, man, uh, it was it was awesome. It was awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> And then
0: it's, it's cool how uh, during that time, it probably didn't matter a single thing that was going on around you, because you knew that everything was going to be different. Because just like they told me, the sign before behind us says uh, Jesus changes everything, and it's just cool how whenever uh, Jesus is inside of you and you f- feel the Holy Spirit, you realize that like that man, that's all we need in this life. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it, it was <clears throat> like I said. It was through moments where I would have never drawn the story like that. I would never have written it to walk myself through that destruction and that um, division and just all of the things that come along with our our sinful nature, right? But God can use every bit of it. He can use every bit of your turmoil. He can use every bit of your shame. He can use every bit of your your brokenness. All he's asking for is uh, just a willing heart. And I had nothing else. And so that's all I had was a willing heart. And so God can use that. That's awesome. And it's, it's so cool to see how um,
0: how God, like through certain moments like that, um, it can lead to him impacting so, so many others, as I'm sure you've been able to share your story with so many groups um, ever since being the director of FCA and just because uh, I know. There's so many kids and just people in general, that are uh, walk, walking around life and just feel like so hopeless, like searching for an, an answer. And but God be able being able to use our tests in life and really turn them into testimonies yeah. to to help others. Well, I, I mean,
1: my pastor talks about revelations. We're, we overcome the we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I was trying to look for that verse the other day. I was like, I know it's in Revelation. <laughs> Revelation's twelve, eleven. 11. Okay. I think is what it is. But um, that really has impacted me. It's impacted my, my ministry with FCA because it's really assured me that through my junk and through my mess up and through my um, cautionary tale if you want to call it that um, that God can use it, man. Mm-hmm. And he can use our brokenness and, and it really still does impact me to talk to talk about sitting in the back row show to first baptist and and hearing that guy tell me about this man named jesus and knowing that i was searching for everything else and uh it, it really does change he does he does change everything so. that's awesome and it's, it's cool to
0: see um just no, no matter where we, where we think we are in life i i really believe that when we have our hope in Christ, like there's a reason that in our car that the uh, the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror because I feel like the best is always yet to come we, we, with Christ. And um, when we repent our sins to Him, like... It, Whatever's happened in the past, that's the past. Because Christ has made each person in such a specific way, it says in Ephesians 2, that we, we are all Christ's masterpiece. And um, what's well, something that really gives you hope, uh, now being the director of the FCA, uh, every everywhere you go or every day? Well, I
1: think since then, um, we didn't talk about the rest of the story really, but it kind of weaves into me, is... I, as I look back on my life, you are, you are right. Um, you can't let the past dictate the future, but you—there there is some wisdom in looking backward yeah. and looking on those things and how things are different than they were. Um, but I recognize that I squandered the first couple of years of my, my kids' lives. Um, and I can't get that back. But in Joel, it talks about that God will give you back the years that the locusts have eaten, that he'll replace those years. Um, And he did that for me. And so uh, about 14 years ago, we had a couple instances happen where people needed places to stay. And we had an oversized laundry room in our house for some reason. It was kind of awkward, but but it was there. It was a room. uh, And three different people needed to stay and they had nowhere else to go. And so we opened that room up as as an opportunity for them to get on their feet and get their things back in line and um, one of them happened to be a a student that was in our student ministry he got in an argument with his, his dad and his mom and dad were divorced and she lived away from his mom lived away from prior and so uh his dad made him leave and so he was going to have to go finish school for the last semester at a completely different school that he'd never been to and so his mom signed over guardianship to our family and so we cared for him as he graduated high school and so the question began to come up afterward like how are we going to how, how do we do this long term? How do we continue to help people? And so um, thinking through the avenue of I squandered a couple of years in my life, my kids' lives, my relationship with my kids' lives. Uh, and so 14 years ago, we started the process of being a, an adoptive and a foster family. And so uh, over those 14 years now, we've had uh, 49 children come in our house, in our family. Oh wow. Uh, for anywhere from an hour to Three years, and so um, we have four adopted children right now. We have one foster child, one foster child right now, and so uh, we have a big family. And, mm-hmm. and it's super cool to me uh, because, like you're talking about, looking at people's lives that have tragedy or step back or whatever and, and I'm stuck on I'm stuck on Joseph's life man and Joseph had a big family and he was the youngest and his dad loved him more and there's a dysfunctional family there with the mom loving the other brother I mean there's just so many things uh, his brothers hated him right and then they sold him in slavery threw him in the cistern and all the things that happened to him but every single time that Joseph is stuck or he's, or he's transitioned he, gives, he he gives credit to the Lord and he, he looks to the Lord, acknowledges him, and it says in each one of those examples in Genesis, it says that the Lord was with him. And so as I can look back, I can say the Lord is with us. The Lord's with me through the trials, through the tests. And so as we've walked through this foster care journey, it's been cool to watch um, how that overflows into my ministry with FCA, knowing that there's a kid who is not my child. I didn't birth that child, but they are my kid. Mm. And so I now know really, really, really what it's like to go walk up to a coach who is struggling because his time and investment is in these kids, and they are his kids. And he treats them like they are his kids. Um, and so he hurts for them. She hurts for them. Uh, when you walk through hills and valleys, when, when that child is making des- decisions that aren't the best for them, that coach feels that. Mm. And so I love getting to be a coach. resource for that coach to lean on to to vent to to open up because not coaches don't have a ton of people on their side but i love that i get to be
0: somebody on the coach's side Would you say that's that's been a big part of your uh why
1: just uh be able to help coaches and help kids and anyone you come in contact with yeah i would say that that has transitioned that has changed because when i when i started with fca i was a a youth pastor. (laughs) So I transitioned from youth ministry to FCA. And so my mind automatically went to athletes, students, kids, right? Um, But what I've quickly realized is if I can minister to and through that coach they have the ability to minister to those athletes better than I do and so what if I can empower engage equipment empower you as a coach and now you can cause effect and change and I can come as a backup to speak the same things over the team that you're speaking to them but now I'm a resource to you and for you that is through so you're a conduit so I love the fact that we get to help coaches be better coaches um, we get to help them recognize that their purpose is bigger than just wins and losses that we've got to start using that. We've got to stop using um, players to win a game and start using a game to win players. So that's your, that's huge to me. That's great.
0: And that's cool. How you, you were that, that now um, your wise became to help equip coaches because coaches ha- have such a big, uh, big role in just shaping these kids and like, the direction of their life. So I know for me, like in college now, like times that I'm going through a rough patch, I can always look back to something that uh, Coach Marley would tell us or um, a lesson I would learn during a hard practice, hard, hard workout, um, that our coaches would teach us. And it kind of reminds me of something that um, Coach uh, Sweeney from Clemson says. He also likes to equip his coaches because there's so many different – there's like eight different position groups. But if you equip each coach to love on those players and show them the love of Christ, then you never know how you can impact one life – which can end up being so many more through the lives that they're able to impact. <clears throat>
1: yeah, um, I, it just makes me think of a couple of special moments with coaches that um, really have impacted and shaped kind of the ministry. One is one is Coach Marley. I mean, Coach Marley's a great. He's an incredible man. I mean, he went to school. He went to school with my cousins um, in high school, um, and it, when I started with FCA, I didn't know him. Uh, he was at. He was at victory then, um, and heard who, heard that he loved the Lord. Heard that he did things right, but didn't know him. But but then to watch him transition to rejoice and to grow that thing, and mm-hmm. to to always have the position that God is greater, that God is the one. Um, then I think it makes me think of um, Coach Bill Young, who's who's not with us anymore, but uh, he was a coach at TU and. I decided to give this Bible, this Bible right here, um, to all of the staff, the entire staff, about seven years ago. And so I got all their names, and they didn't know about it. I got all their names, I went and had all their names imprinted on them, um, and then went and delivered them, and delivered them to the coaches. <clears throat> so I took out, took them out of the box and said, hey, I realize we could give you a t-shirt or something that would fade away, but I decided I'd give you something that can never fade. And so we presented them to them all, <clears throat> 24 coaches Uh, and then a couple days later I went by and just knock on their door, I I just kind of go by knock on their door say hey coach, hope you're doing well if they got something to talk about we can Um, but I was making my rounds and I knocked on coach's door and I said hey coach, good to see you, hope you're doing well and he looked up and he said hey good to see you and he said oh, he recognized, he said oh come here, come here here." and I saw that bible sitting on his desk and um, he said hey I just wanted you to know that uh, I'm 70 years old that's the first Bible I've ever had with my name on it, and so I just wanted to thank you. And so, man, those moments like that are just—you can't. Yeah, stop you them. can't take them back. That's amazing. I mean, I was having—I was having a uh, a visit at Broken Arrow High School, and the staff had just changed, and so there's new coaches in there, and I just act like it's business as usual, and I'm just coming in to do what I normally do. Um, there's a there's a coach in there who's an adult he's a grown man but he was a kid when i when i knew him he was a player at broken arrow um while he was a player at broken arrow i i got to lead him to the lord and i got to baptize him um and so i'm in there talking to him and there's a, a 58 58 a year old coach in there and uh we started talking and he said well how do you know this guy and he said well he he was the chaplain here when i was here and we got to talking, and he said are you you man of faith hey and i said yeah absolutely absolutely and he said man i've been i've been really thinking about this baptism thing and i said really i said well you have given your life to the lord and he said yeah i did that a long time ago but i just never followed through with baptism and i said man if you ever want to get baptized you just let me know and the guy sitting right next to him the coach that i know he goes well he baptized me and the older coach said, what? And the younger coach said, yeah, when I was a student here, he baptized me at church. And so a month later, we were out, and uh, he said, it's time. And so when I got to baptize a 50 year 58-year-old coach, and I've, I'm watching his life change all the time. And so just, just things you can't make up, right? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> it's probably
0: those moments that you realize that there's a reason that... I, that god has me where he has me and that um i'm sure that's just what gives you passion every day uh to, to rise above even days where you're like
1: I'm, I'm sure you get frustrated and just normal simplicities of life like like us all oh yeah absolutely and the, those are the those are the ones you have to hang your hat on and mm-hmm. say hey this is the thing that's going to get me up tomorrow and go mm-hmm. back because it's not always easy i mean it's ministry's a lonely place and yeah. it's a hard place and it you know i mean you're getting to know yeah exactly you're getting to know more about what it's like uh but there's so many opportunities and so many great things that you get to see that those always overcome the setbacks or the the heartbreaks or all the other things that you walk along with when you walk with people because that's what you're doing you're getting you're getting messy and you're getting dirty in people's lives and that's hard yeah exactly
0: and i think that's why it's so important i heard david pollock used to work for espn and play for georgia the other day he said you know, we can in life put our hope on what's the exterior things around us, how someone likes us, how we're doing a sport. But the reality is there'll be times we get really frustrated or we can put it on interiorly how we feel, how we're doing mentally. But there's times that we won't feel good. won't be doing good mentally. But there's a reason that the only way they'll really fulfill us is if we put our hope on what's above. Because like you said, um, by passing out the Bible is to... Um, different coaches like that's the one rock
1: and one thing that will fulfill us no matter what what is ever going on Absolutely. Absolutely. and it's those things that that you have to come back and say hey how, how do we make the biggest impact how do we reach every coach because our I mean our mission is big yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, our visions even bigger to see the world transformed uh, by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes and then how we're we gonna do that well we're gonna try to lead every coach and every athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ in this church yep and the thing that I love about FCA is we're parent church um, we're not we don't want to be the church we're not trying to be the church we're not in competition with the church. we're at a church right now be filming this because we're we, we want to be partners of the church we want to be an opportunity for the church to have a platform to get in the school when they normally can't otherwise and so i love that over that for 70 years that fca has had that desire to make god's name famous through the influence of coaches and athletes and um that's not always popular with everybody (laughs) because uh, people want to say well why why just athletes and i would say you just got to know. You just got to know what you're called to do, right? If you're called to go reach coaches and athletes, and go reach coaches and coaches and athletes, if you're called to to coach, then go coach. Just do what God calls you to do, because that's where you'll find fulfillment and lack of frustration. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Whatever sets your heart on fire, just go for it. And there might be fear, but I feel like when you match passion with fear, the fear will eventually fade
1: when your hope is in Christ. Well, there will be fear. Yeah.
0: There will be anything, and You know yeah. there will be
1: fear because yeah. you're going into things that aren't comfortable. And, and if it's God-sized, then it's going to be
0: oh, yeah. It's yeah. scary. Yeah. yeah. That, but that's why it's so important to stay in the Word and uh, to always go to Christ in prayer. Absolutely. And then as we're, as we're finishing today, there's going to be someone listening to this that um, just feels stuck in life, whether it's a diagnosis or whether it's just They're just not going through a good season in life. What's a message that you would have for them today?
1: Oh, I I think when I think about it for half of a second to try to figure out where I'm at in my life, uh, where I'm seeing God show up in the middle of frustration or um, when it seems like God's late. I don't know if God's ever felt like he's late to you. Um, Yeah. But every time I, I, I think he's late, he shows up right on time. And uh, w- we've had a little girl for uh, in our custody for four years. She's been in DHS custody. She's lived with us for four years. Um, and there have been many, many times where it feels like the system is failing. Um, it's not providing her with the security that she needs. It's not providing her with the hope the, the hope that she needs. But, But... At the end of the day we, we just remember that God's the God of the hill and the sheep, right? <laughs> and so whatever thing you're walking through, whatever setback you see coming, whatever failure that you're holding on to that you're not really well, that you're not ready to let go of, um, would you just begin? To let some things go, let some of that control go, let some of that failure go, let some of that shame go. Uh, I, I'm not telling you that that's easy, and I'm not telling you it's going to happen all in one fell swoop. But I'm telling you, you got to start having the attitude that uh, I can, I can do different, I can be better, I can, I can be something that that I that I want to be, um, and through the the power of Christ. And so, um, Philippians four thirteen comes to mind. And it's not about calling on the name of the Lord to help you get something that you want mm. in life that, that you didn't think was possible, but, but it is about contentment. And uh, mm. I, I use this as a, as a message to some people, but there's a, an English herb called, called a homograph, and it's where a word is spelt the same way but said two different ways. And so um, the, the word C-O-N-T-E-N-T can either spell content or content. And so as I read Philippians 4:13 if you back up it's talking about I understand what it means to have loss I understand what it means to have much I understand what it means like all of the things that we understand as somebody who has a lot or somebody who doesn't have a much but the the reality of it is that the hope behind all of that is contentment and they when you realize contentment is Christ and, and what he does in your life, that you can do one hmm. well things through him who strengthens you, right? And so don't be so concerned with gaining content for your life that you miss out on the content of your life. Um, so just release. Just let some things go. Somebody's going to cut you off today uh, and has the ability to either control you or you have the ability to control it so don't let it control you don't let things that you don't want to have control of you don't have control of you that's awesome it reminds me something i went to your twitter
0: reminds me something you put the other day where you said whatever you think about pray just as much about that and i i I remember thinking about i'm like man what if i did that in my
1: life it was weird the way that 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 was phrased when i when i put it out there um Pray about it as much as you think about it. Yeah. I think is what the phrase yeah, was. Yeah, pray about it as much as you think um, about. It. But how many people can actually say that we even <laughs> remotely get close to it? Yeah, we worry, and we get stuck, and we get, and then we're like, at the very end, we're like, oh, maybe I should. <laughs>
0: yeah, I should give. You maybe, the maybe Lord. I should pray. Yeah, <laughs> after like worrying about it for such a long time, <laughs> I found myself in a situation like that uh, this morning, and I was like, wow, what if I just prayed about this? Yeah, but yeah, um, if it was our what
1: I've always heard it said. Um, what if prayer was our first resort or our our first something instead of our last resort. Our first resource or something. Like that? Yeah. Yeah, but that's
0: awesome. And we, we can't thank you enough for being all with us today. And there's many things I know that I've just been able to pick up like just uh the power of uh of being a giver, not a taker. Because of the example Christ first set for us by giving His life on the cry on the on the cross, and just you you never know um, who God will put in your life when you make the decision to follow Him and be a giver, not a taker, and how they could eventually impact so many others. Uh, but by doing that, and
1: well, speaking of you being a, being a giver, I, as we're sitting here talking, yeah. it, it made me remember back a couple months ago. When I don't even, I honestly don't know why it happened like that. that's One of the things that we can rest on in being believers is knowing that God's got control of it. Right? Yep. When you can't make sense of it, it probably is God. Um, but I felt like I was supposed to ask you and ask Coach Marley to have you come speak to the 7-on-7 the seven seven tournament. And so I wasn't sure if it was going to work out. Um, and it, it worked. But I loved watching you grow up, um, even just from a few years ago at Rejoice. And now leading men and challenging them and, and continuing. But, and, and I think the reason why um, it means so much to me is because those things weren't a priority to me at all when I was your age. Um, and like I said, he, I can't get those years back. And so I'm really um, awestruck. I'm really proud of watching you go be bold for Christ and go make a stand in the middle of opposition and obstacle and um, you're the one who needs to be speaking more about the trials of life and how to how to, how to walk through them, um, how to gain victory in them, uh, but then also how to help other people walk through things. Um, one of the things that I've learned is that uh, some of the things, and, and I think you're a testimony to it. I think you're a testament of exactly this phrase that I use is that uh, some of the things that you walk through in life, they may never ever be for you. They may only be so that when you come in contact with somebody else walking through the same thing, that you can be Jesus to them. And so, you, in my opinion, have been a, a great example of that. And so, uh, I just want to remind you don't quit when it gets ch- challenging and when it gets hard and when it gets lonely, don't quit. <laughs>
0: thank you and that's so many people have um helped me like listen to people like you coach marley and then so many people and like like you said right there i think everyone listening to this can apply that don't quit and galatians 6 verse 9 says don't grow weary of doing good this part right here is so important because at the proper time, proper time. you'll reap a harvest if you do if you do not give up <laughs> It's it's so crucial in life, but uh, we can't thank everyone enough and thank Brennan enough for uh, being with us today and uh, and everyone for tuning in. And know you can catch the Rise Above podcast any platform you listen to podcasts on or on Instagram at Rise Above Pod. And know that no matter the storm you face this week or for the rest of your life, that when you put your hope in Christ, you can always rise above. Catch you guys next week.